Hello, hello everyone. It's so good to be with you again. Um, we've been teaching on the Beatitudes, the words of Jesus. You know, Pastor Terry is teaching on the parables of Jesus, and I've been teaching on the Beatitudes, which are part of the Sermon on the Mount. And there's nothing better than learning about the words of Jesus. Um, there's nothing more uh, inspiring. There's nothing more instructive. There's nothing more life-giving and eternal than the words of Jesus. So this is really precious to be able to be, be teaching actually what Jesus said. So uh, we did one session on the Beatitudes and now we're doing the second session. So the Beatitudes are found in Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. So I'm going to start again, Matthew 5.1 in the New Living Translation. It says, one day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. So here begins, as I said last time, one of the most well-known passages in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus was teaching people on the mountainside. And it was something that he taught he, he uh, took his disciples aside, the people that were following him the closest. He took them aside and was speaking to them. He didn't teach this to the mass crowds and the people that were following him for the miracles or the food. He was teaching this to his disciples, his closer followers. So, and uh, Jesus talked about eight groups of people that were blessed. So last, last uh, time we talked about blessed who are the poor in spirit. So um, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we found out that blessed, blessed is the, to sense the joy or happiness that comes from knowing we stand approved before God. That's, that's a blessing. It means happy, joyous, well-off, a true state of well-being, possessing the favor of God, spiritually prosperous, supreme blessedness. So when when Jesus is talking about blessed, he's talking about to sense the joy and happiness that comes from knowing we stand approved before God. It's meaning happy, joyous, well-off, a true state of well-being, possessing the favor of God, spiritually prosperous, and supreme blessedness. Isn't that awesome? So when Jesus is talking about certain groups of people and saying that they're blessed, it has a big, big, big meaning. So Matthew 5, 3 said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about that last week, that that uh, poor in spirit means an extreme, absolute poverty, having nothing at all. So what that means is when we come to God, that we need to come to him, uh, knowing that there's nothing in ourselves, nothing of ourselves, that can uh, can stand before him. It come, we come to him realizing our sin and our desperate, desperate need for him. Jesus was talking about a desperate and deep sense of needing God. And those people, and we, we showed a couple examples of that, those people, it says, the Bible says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So now we're going to go on to the next one, Matthew uh, 5, 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And of course, everybody that's read that probably has thought, oh, he's talking about those people who have lost a loved one. But that's not what this scripture is talking about. 
Um, the morning mentioned here is not a natural morning. It's a spiritual one. The morning mentioned here, or the grief or the sorrow, is a grief over sin in our life, or sin in our country, or sin in our family, or sin in the, in the nation. Um, like I said, first of all, it's mourning and grief and sorrow over our own sin, and secondly, for the sins of those around us, because we know that their sin, our sin and their sin, separates us from God, and that's a reason to be very sorrowful. In a way, the second beatitude is like an emotional response, an emotional expression of the first um, first beatitude. Realizing that you're poor in spirit, you then mourn because of that sin. We sense our spiritual poverty and we mourn about our sins and God comforts us. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And we talked about last week, the woman who wiped Jesus' feet with her own tears. She knew that she was poor in spirit and that brought the tears and the mourning over her condition and Jesus comforted her. It's the complete opposite of the complete opposite of this uh, of mourning would be joking about our sin or even worse, not even recognizing our sin. And I've heard people before, I've even heard ministers before laughing and joking about how many women they've had and how they drink and how they get drunk occasionally and how they cuss and oh, ha, 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 that's funny. But that's the opposite of, of blessed are those who mourn. <clears throat> So I'm going to talk about a couple examples um, of mourning over our sin. So the first one talks about, uh, um, let's see, da, 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 da. it's in Jonah, I'm sorry, Jonah 3 verse 4, Jonah 3 verse 4, and I'm reading this out of the Amplified Version. It says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city of three days journey. And so it's, uh, it was 60 miles in circumference. It was, a, it was a big city. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So God gave Jonah this message to give to Nineveh. So the people of Nineveh believed in God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. In penitent mourning. So th these people uh, were mourning. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. So we see that this whole nation, this whole city, I should say, was mourning over their sin. So it says in verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed in God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth in penitent mourning, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came to the king of Nineveh, uh, of all that had happened to Jonah and his terrifying message from God. And he arose from his throne and he laid his robe aside, covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. So a deep sense of mourning and remorse and, and repentance is uh, something that happened in this, in this uh, town in Nineveh. And uh, they repented. They were, had a deep sense of mourning. And uh, the Bible says that they're comforted. A deep sense of mourning, remorse, or repentance is something that's seldom uh, emphasized in Christianity today. It's too important to feel good all the time, feel good about yourself all the time. That, uh, you know, uh, it's part of a, a, 
unbalanced grace message, message that, that we should never feel bad. We should never sense that we're, sin, we're sinners. We never sense that we have sinned. But if we never uh, come to the recognition that we have sinned in any way, that we will never be poor in spirit and we will never mourn and we will never be comforted. And that's not good. So this is a this is a, an example of a nation that is mourning, a group of people that is mourning. And uh, now I'm going to give you an example of individuals. In 2 Corinthians 7, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8, in the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8. It says, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you. So the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul sent a severe uh, letter to the Corinthian church talking about their sin and how they were uh, sinning and walking in sin and not pleasing God. So it says, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, for you were not harmed by us in any way. So when it talks about sorrow, it's talking about uh, uh, mourning. They're mourning over their sin. They're, they're, they're realizing that they're poor in spirit and they're mourning over their sin. Verse 10, for the kind of sorrow or mourning God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow or mourning, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow or mourning produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. So we see this group, this Corinthian church, uh, they were uh, faced with their sin. It was addressed by the Apostle Paul. They came to a place that they realized that they were sinning. They mourned about it. They, they realized that they were poor in spirit. They mourned about it and it brought about repentance. So the person that truly mourns over their sinful state is in condition as a person who is in the process of repenting as a work of the Holy Spirit. So we can see that the Holy Spirit was at work in the people in Nineveh and the Holy Spirit was at work in the people, the, the Corinthian church to bring them to repentance. And a person who uh, truly mourns is a person who is looking for forgiveness and a savior and finds that savior in Jesus Christ. Thus, that person is truly blessed, supremely blessed, and is comforted. Isn't that awesome? So blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. James 4.8, 4.8 in the Amplified Version, James 4.8. Um, and really, many people don't even believe this could be in the Bible. Many think Christians should never have to deal with sin because it's all been washed away with the blood of Jesus. And that's one reason the church in the United States has lost so much power because they don't believe that, many don't believe that sin is an issue anymore. So this is in the Bible. This is in James 4, 8, and this was written to Christian people. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. 
Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interest and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. Verse nine, as you draw near to God, be deeply penitent, which means mourning, mourning over your sin and grieve, even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth to dejection and heartfelt shame for your sins. Humble yourself, and that's being poor in spirit, Humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your life significant. It sounds like the uh, the writer of James is, is basing this whole thing on the first two Beatitudes, um, to be uh, poor in spirit and to mourn. And it says that when you do that, he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your life significant. Isn't that an awesome promise? So those are really good. And then um, also when we're mourning, uh, we need to be mourning for the lost around us. And only those people who are truly spiritual alive, spiritually alive mourn for the dead. If we are alive spiritually, we will mourn for those who are dead spiritually. The spiritually dead don't mourn for the dead. So if you're not, you're not concerned about the dead, I would check up on whether you're really spiritually alive. Psalm 126 verse five. Psalm 126 verse five in the NIV. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Who go, he who goes out with weeping, sorry, he, go, he who goes out weeping carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. So it's talking about uh, being sorrowful and mourning and grieving for those that are lost and praying for them and interceding for them and trusting the Lord to intervene in their, intervene in their life. In Luke 19, it says that Jesus wept over Jerusalem because of their sin. Again, if we're spiritually alive people, we will mourn over those who are dead spiritually and pray for them and intercede for them and ask God to work in their life. So we need to check ourselves sometimes. If, if we have a heart to pray and share Jesus with the spiritually lost, if you have a burden for them and mourn for them, the Bible says that you'll be comforted for that too. So we're going to go on to the next one, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, all of these Beatitudes were really, really, really tough statements for the disciples. You have to understand that the disciples, the people of Israel, the, the Jews, they were looking for a savior. They were looking for a victor. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a military hero. They were looking for someone who was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. So Jesus saying, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That just went against everything that the disciples and the Jews were believing for in Messiah and for anybody who would be a leader, a spiritual leader. Meekness was not what they were looking for. They were looking for somebody who was strong and tough and gruff and going to take over, take over the world and take over the Roman Empire by military force. So they were not looking for someone who is meek. But meek here does not mean weak and it doesn't mean mild. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, 
In the King James Version, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus called himself meek, and uh, the disciples didn't understand that kind of thinking. And meek here in the Bible means controlled and balanced, getting angry at the right things at the right time, such as injustice in the world. It's power under control, being submissive to someone greater than ourselves, like a spirited racehorse is submissive to his trainer, and like Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was submissive to his Father. Moses was called the meekest man on earth, and that's in Numbers 12, 3. But he stood up to Pharaoh. Uh, God used him to deliver the Israelites, part the Red Sea. God gave the law to him, and let, he led 2.5 million people through the desert. He was not a, a wimpy man. He was not a... Uh, shy man, but he was meek in that he submitted himself to the Lord and followed God in his directions. Um, the arrogant and power seekers attempt to inherit the earth, such as Hitler, Napoleon, the Roman Empire. Um, they're arrogant and self-seeking and power seeking. Uh, you can also see that in human, human relations, in your family, at work, in your neighborhood, your churches, and the government all people trying to seek power, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. As Christians, we are instructed to be submissive. Uh, we are to sit, submit to God. In James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Um, in families, <clears throat> wives are to be submissing, submitted to their husbands, children to their parents. We are to be subject to those in authority over us. In the church, we're to be subject to our spiritual leaders. In our, in our jobs, we're to be subject to our employers. A sure test of our meekness is how we react when a good, healthy person in authority asks us to do something that we don't want to do. And that's always going to happen. Someone in authority is going to ask us or tell us to do something that we don't want to do. And our reaction to it tells us whether we're meek or whether we're not meek. <laughs> um, Jesus told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And submitting yourself to the will of the Lord is one way that we become, that we are meek. Submitting ourselves to the Lord, submitting ourselves to his word is is meekness so uh the bible says blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth it doesn't say blessed are the powerful blessed are the cunning blessed are the uh people with the most military might it's blessed are the meek and that goes against all of our thinking but that is the word of god uh we will inherit the earth if we're meek so let's uh, go back and uh read the beatitudes that we've covered so far Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we need to come to God knowing our condition without him. We're complete and total power, poverty spiritually without the Lord. 
Uh, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So we come broken and sorrowful because of our sinfulness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So we submit to the plan God, of God for salvation for ourselves. We need to submit to his plan that we need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and have put our faith in him. And that is being meek when we submit to him. So if you've never done those things, if you've never realized that you're spiritually poor, uh, that you're needy, that you need a Savior, you need the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never come to sorrow about that, I just encourage you to do that today and in meekness come before the Lord and call on him and ask him to save you. Uh, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just call out to him and say, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. I need your help. I need to have Jesus Christ wash away my sins. I need your salvation. Just call upon the Lord today and he will make you whole. So next week, we're going to talk about Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And that's an awesome one to talk about. So I hope you all have a good week. I encourage you to meditate upon these scriptures and be sure to log in for Pastor Terry's message on Sunday. He'll be finishing the series on the parables, uh, the series titled Jesus, the Great Storyteller. And I tell you what, there's just nothing as wonderful as learning about the words of Jesus and what he meant, what he was talking about, because they're so important and they give life to us. Well, I, I trust that God has helped you through this and helped you to understand the Beatitudes. And we've got more to come. We'll talk to you later. See you next week. God loves you. Bye-bye.